have so much game. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast about the podcast Too Beautiful to Live in the Pinecrest neighborhood of Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I'm Bobby Papen. Joining me for this Phyllis Friday, first Friday, Phyllis Faves edition of Little Red Bandwagon in the Finney Ridge neighborhood of Seattle, Washington, the one and only Phyllis Fletcher. Good afternoon, Phyllis. Hey, Bobby. I always forget if it's uh, First Friday with PHs or Phyllis Fave with PHs. <laughs> the name of this thing has changed a little bit as we've gone, but we'll just get them all in there. One of them will work. Uh, yeah, exactly. This is your November Phyllis Fave for your First Friday. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and since it's since it's November, I just thought, you know, uh, first, in the interest of full disclosure, I have a pretty terrible stomachache from all the leftover Halloween candy I got on clearance. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. but I've been eating on that for days now. And, um, you know, uh, since I pulled the shades down and shut the door and turned off the lights with my Bud Light and ate all my candy the other night instead of <laughs> greeting trick-or-treaters, I'm, I'm not feeling too great. But that's okay because, man, what a World Series we had. <laughs> right. Can you believe how many games that went? And those guys really <laughs> pulled it out. Right. <laughs> Almost impressive as the foliage has been. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not ready with all my um, seasonal references. Our, our seasons here in the Northwest are not as dramatic, so I'm, <laughs> I'm coming up a little dry. Um, it's cold. It's rainy. <laughs> That's yeah. probably a thing. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and every time we hit November like this, I just always get that guitar solo from November Rain in my head. It's so good. Right. And then uh, I just, you know, you know, these are trying times. I, I sure hope those clowns in Congress can keep President Pence in check. <laughs> right. What a bunch of clowns. I have to assume that since it's November. <laughs> right. You know, I tried to use that uh, those clowns in Congress thing on um, on one of my reporters once, and um, that's how I learned he doesn't watch TV <laughs> because he was like, "I cover the state legislature." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I know. <laughs> Never mind." <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, so, as I'm sure is no surprise to you, regular listeners, uh, this episode's been taped a little early. Uh, because uh, at this point, uh, we assume that Phyllis has been fully assimilated into the NPR uh, family. <laughs> Sh- she's adopted an even more exotic accent of some kind. Um, she's She's got her blue check mark on Twitter by now, I imagine. So we're getting this out of the way a little early so that we can bring it to you now, um, despite the fact that Phyllis is already better than us, uh, even more than before. <laughs> and, Never. Uh, uh, as we play you out over the next couple of months of Phyllis Faves, you're bringing us some of your favorite moments from the TBTL radio days. 
Yeah, exactly. These are all from the final year of TBTL, 2009. And um, there were just so many gems in there that I had to mind that I said, well, let's get them all out. So I'm excited about these uh, specifically. And I decided today our theme is how others see us. Um, these are, uh, I have a couple clips from spring 2009, um, one of Luke telling a story of an experience he had had over that weekend, and another where he's reflecting back on something that happened in college, and uh, they both had that kind of curb your enthusiasm absurdity to them that so many TVTL stories from Luke and Jen and Andrew have, and um, they both incorporate the shock of realizing how someone else sees you. So I'm really excited to listen to these today. Yeah, when you put in our Slack channel the clips for this, I listened to them and I first thought, oh, this is great. I'll have to think a little bit about stories that would be a good fit for this. And then I realized uh, I have perfect examples from my life for both of these. So I was oh, really great. excited to jump on for this episode because uh, – uh, I knew that deep down inside I've been similarly confused or humiliated or put on the spot in similar ways. So, Oh, uh, good. Yeah. So that's exciting <laughs> good for us. I, well, I, think, yes. I think we all have these moments, but we bury them. So it takes a little te teasing out. And <laughs> this morning I was talking to Sam and I said, Oh, these are the clips. She asked what we're going to be talking about today. Usually when Sam asks what we're recording about, I just go the last week of TBTL. And she just gives right. me a look and then walks away. <laughs> But I told her about these clips and she just said, wait, so what's your story? And I, I realized uh -oh. I had never even told her one of the stories I'm going to tell here. So uh, oh, I went ahead and covered that. So no, she's heard it now. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Good. It's from before oh, she and I were dating. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, spring <Good>. 2009. <laughs> uh, and you're going to give us two clips back to back, right? Yep, exactly. All right. Well, let's dive in. Did I tell you about the time, I think I did, when I was in college and I got a phone call from a very upset young lady and she said, I really need to talk to you. I'm one of Tiffany's best friends. And I said, Tiffany. And she goes, Tiffany, I will omit this young, this other young lady's last name. We'll just say Tiffany Andrews. Okay. She said, Tiffany Andrews. And I said, Oh, uh, I mean, who I went to like 11th grade with? She went, yeah, I, th I, I, you're the only one I could talk to. I said, really? Cause I'm like thinking I haven't, I talked to this person two times in my life and that was five years ago. They were in 11th grade with me and she goes, I think she's really gotten into lying and I think she's really in a bad place and I just, I need you to talk to her cause you're the only person that can get through to her. And I thought, that's really odd that she would think I'm that person. I said, well, I would be, I guess, happy to call her. You know, like I'm going along with it. I'm trying to be helpful. I'm like, well, I could, I could try, I could try, I guess. You know, I go, but I don't know why, why, um, why I would be the person with that. She goes, well, because of the engagement. I mean, I know you guys broke it off, what? but this girl, we'll call her Tiffany Andrews, had a complete and totally fantasy life that involved her and I being engaged and then breaking off was very torrid. It went on apparently for years. And I, you know, jerk that I am, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> and I had to say to her poor friend, I go... The lying started a little earlier than you think. <laughs> well, the I mean, this is the thing, right? That's also weird about com being around a compulsive liar. And everybody knows at least one, right? 
Uh, and if you don't, then that means you're the compulsive liar mm-hmm. because you didn't ride here on a unicorn. I'm sorry, Chris Martin. You did not ride here on a unicorn. <laughs> the thing that's weird about people who are compulsive liars is that a lot of times if you're the non-liar person, you become really worried that they're going to get busted in their lie. At least that's how I operate in these things. So I didn't know what to say. I was like, do I go along with the we were engaged parallel universe or do I tell this girl? And I did. I said, I said, I don't really know how to say this in a non-jarring way, but I have not spoken to this uh, lady for since 11th grade. Maybe it was the last day of school when I said, good luck cleaning out your locker. <laughs> and it was just like silence on the other end of the phone. for like. So the engagement wasn't really official? Yeah, it was very informal. It was informal to the point of I was never aware of it, nor had I spoken to her for years on end. And And there was just like silence on the other end of the line for like 25 seconds. She said, I understand. I'm so sorry to have bothered you. <laughs> uh, but it made me feel very weird to know that there was this whole other idea of a life that, in which I was I was part of that I had no idea was going on. <laughs> she told me her brother played basketball for the University of Indiana. It's amazing how easily you'll swallow preposterous lies. This girl was like five foot two and possibly an albino. She was not a physically fit person, and she, I was on the basketball team at Jesus Creek, and so I think she th- wanted to that impress me. That was the way me. to your heart. So she said, oh, you like basketball? I was like, well, yeah, I'm on the team. And she goes, oh, my brother plays for Indiana. This was pre-internet, though, so it was like kind of hard to really verify. Yeah. So I just thought, that's amazing. He must have got the tallness in the family because you didn't get it. Now I don't think that was true either. <laughs> that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. You're a gross person. Doing it and doing it and doing it well. I love Jesus, but I drink a little. I was at uh, Dick's Drive-In yesterday. Uh, Vanessa and I had uh, been up at Sky Nursery because I'm really into gardening, by which I mean I bought a bunch of stuff that's now in my garage, a bunch of uh, starts, tomato starts, Mm -hmm. artichoke starts. This was the weekend for that. Yeah. Although I think it's, I'm, I I, uh, I still have to actually get the garden ready. But anyway, we were up north, and so as we were driving home, I, I said, let's swing by Dick's. Now, because I had been doing all this yard work and stuff, I have these pants that are like my yard work pants, jeans, and they're covered in paint, and, and they are kind of have like grease stains on them from just, you know, various tasks of fixing the car and things like that so um i'm wearing uh, i'm wearing these pants and i'm wearing a shirt too that also has a lot of paint on it i don't know why i thought i needed to wear this to go to the nursery to sky nursery like in case i had to pick up a redwood tree or something i wanted to (laughs) have clothes that could get dirty so anyway we drive in we're driving by dicks and i say let's get an ice cream cone and van says sure so we pull in and i realize i don't have any cash she doesn't have any cash they don't take debit cards so i open up the cigarette thing change thing and just like empty it out and it's like two dollars and forty cents in like pennies and you know very small change so i think this is enough because she's going to get a kid size cone so i go up there and i smack my change down on the thing and the guy goes what do you want i tell him two ice cream cones and a small sprite and he goes okay it's um 370 and i'm like sliding my pennies across and i go i don't think i have enough and this lady next to me goes i got him I got him. And she's like, she's really nice. She's kind of patting me on the shoulder a little bit. And uh, I'm like, uh, hold on one second. 
Hang on, hang on, just We're one on quick second. Oh, shit. Yeah. We're on the air. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Right now. <laughs> we gotta, we've got really got to write a memo about people coming in here and we're actually literally doing the show. Anyway, so this lady says, I got him. I got it. And she sort of pats me on the shoulder a little bit. And I go, oh, no, no, that's okay. And she goes, no, 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 no. I go, I'll just go back to my car. She goes, no, 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 it's fine. And she puts a dollar down. And the guy does the math and he goes, you're still eight cents short. <laughs> and this is where I would hope that the dicks guy would just like see that I'm in a bind here and that someone's already given me a dollar. Someone in line, a random person in line has already given me a dollar. And I was like, okay, I'll go, I'll go to my car and get eight more cents. I'm sure it's under the seat. I go, I'll go to my car. And uh, the lady goes, oh, no, no, you're still short. She goes, here's another dollar. <gasps> she gives me another dollar. And I'm, it's so, it's such a kind gesture. But I think, why would she be doing this? Okay, a dollar, fine, maybe. Like, I might give someone 25 cents if they were short. But she's giving me now two dollars. And I, I, I look at her and I kind of look down and I realize, I look like a homeless person. I literally look homeless. I'm covered in dirt and paint. I'm holding loose change in my hands. And I'm, like, she thought I was homeless. You were an outreach project. Well, the problem was, when I got my ice cream cones, she kind of looked at me like, there, there, homeless man. And I said, thank you. That was so nice. I really appreciate it. And then I walked back to like a $35,000 car, <laughs> started it up and drove off. I that hope I you didn't felt, see that. I was right there. It's Dick's. <laughs> I was I was standing the whole time six feet from my car. And the, the f- look on her face, she was heartbroken. <laughs> I com- She basically had th- thought that she had done this really good deed for this down and out guy. And and so then when that became kind of the the sort of uh you know the 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 when that became the like unspoken deal between us, I was fine with that. But then I needed to leave and I had to go get in my car. Which was not a homeless person car. You couldn't have gone and sat on a bench? Well, Vanessa was in the car and I had her ice cream cone and <laughs> I knew I was going to be in trouble. Yeah, I, I mean, it went through my mind. I thought, can I, can I like shamble off around the corner of the restaurant and then like give Vanessa some kind of a hand sign that says drive space car around to the side? So pretty I'm going to look for some cans over here. Yeah. Everybody lost in that. I lost my dignity. Mm-hmm. She lost her moment. She lost her moment to be a really benevolent person. It was just like everybody... And it started with such good intentions on everyone's part, and it ended so badly for everyone. Well, if the Dixon boy had given you eight cents, it yeah, could that's, have been avoided. Well, that's, he also lost because everyone I thought... Everyone lost. Yeah, everyone lost. I thought, dude, eight cents. Seriously? Eight cents. So, anyway, uh, that happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that happened. <laughs> That's embarrassing. I don't, I think I've used this before on the show, but I don't think y'all have this. Um, so out, out here in the eighties anyway, um, feeling crunchy was, um, was, was being feeling embarrassed. Like it kind of morphed in the nineties to like crunchy was like crunchy hippie granola, like that kind of thing. But this was the kind of thing where like back in my day, we would have been like, damn, that was crunchy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or like, I know you were walking away with the crunch, man. <laughs> like, that was hella crunchy because <laughs> he got into a rich person's car and drove away <laughs> after a stranger gave him two dollars. 
<laughs> so bad. Because he wasn't in his usual $6,000 suit. Come on. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so bad. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's, uh, that's embarrassing. Let's let's back up before we get into that. Uh, okay. So let's take these in order. We started uh, with the with the clip about uh, the engagement that wasn't. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> because I really need to talk to you. I'm one of Tiffany's yeah. best friends. <laughs> that was. He's like, okay, like I'll try to go with it. That's so. Bad and it just it made me wonder about things like that that may have happened that he never even heard about because I'm sure even before he was um, you know radio famous or uh, internet famous even um, you know he was probably a popular guy and um, you know I know he he downplays it somewhat by talking about being a shrimp and having all this acne and stuff but girls were always interested in him and you know I mean it doesn't take much for someone to get like fixated and it made me think a lot about the difference and he kind of hit on this a little bit too like the difference between what you think your life is and what someone else thinks <laughs> your life is yeah and um you know like people can develop weird uh thoughts and do and say weird things just because something that they perceive about someone else kind of strikes them in some particular way um and I'm sure that that's, I mean, th it would be the most diva-ish thing to complain about ever. So I'm sure that he's uh, kind of, um, you know, if those things have happened, he's kind of kept it quiet. But um, that would be really disturbing and hard to live with. Yeah, I mean, he, he always underestimates himself and sort of plays himself off as the harder luck especially right. the ladies in this case. But he's always been a charmer in the time that he's been doing TBTL, and it's clear from even before that, his his young NPR days. I mean, he, he clearly got there with his charisma. And oh in, yeah, in social settings, that clearly rubs off. So sure, he was the guy who was just memorable enough that you could claim a story like this, but not so well-known and memorable that <laughs> it would immediately sound like bullshit. I mean, I've probably right. brought this up on the show before, but... You know, the trick to a good lie is to, to, you know, this is like, don't turn your F into an A on a report card. Turn your F into a C plus or a B. Right. <laughs> like, right. come up with something that's that's believable without being outlandish. So I was on the Wikipedia page for notable people from my hometown of Webster, New York for years because I didn't list myself as something arrogant. I listed myself as a as a competitive eating coach. <laughs> because yeah. I was because the trick to that is if you hyperlink to something else, if you link to something else, another Wikipedia article that seems like it could verify you, uh, yeah, then it, it's more believable. So the bots that try to right. go through and cut out garbage don't catch it. So I link to the International Eating Federation or whatever the hell it's called, but but <laughs> just just to the competitive eating part. But like, who would know the coach, right? Like. This is like right. saying my brother played for Indiana before the internet. Like, that's a that's a hard <laughs> enough and weird enough thing to check that you're not going to go dig. Like, I'm not saying I'm Joey Chestnut or something and I'm horfing 80 right. hot dogs. I right. just, you know, I'm putting myself on the fringes of celebrity. <laughs> and she did right, the same right. thing with this. Yeah, that was smart. I mean, that's another thing that strikes me about people who do these things is how do they come up with half this stuff? 
Like how like was she thinking about that and planning it before or did she see someone else react to how, um, you know, to someone saying that so and so played for Indiana? Like, how did she come up with that? But that's like it's it's impressive enough that you just wish they would use their talents for a higher purpose, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they should be. <laughs> They should be writing or working for yeah. the CIA or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I assume it starts out like a, it's like a fish story situation, right? Like she probably said to someone, oh, yeah, you remember Luke from high school. We had a thing. Uh, and then the next time she told that story, it was, oh, yeah, Luke from high school. We we went, you know, we were hot and heavy for a little while. We were steady. Uh, and then, and then before you know it, a couple years later, you know, as the quote went in there, it was very torrid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love her friend too. Like her friend is so concerned and like, what a huge moment this is for her friend to be like that, that pregnant pause. And then the, I'm so sorry to have wasted your time. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like the avalanche of BS that she must have just realized had built up over time, like where she's like, wait a second, if this isn't true, <laughs> like I'm calling someone to say, help me with my friend who's a liar. And they're telling me that the, the reason I'm calling is also not true. Like what, what is true at this point? Like, it's gotta be crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> con within a con. It's some inception level bullshit. Of yeah, you know, you just take a step back and realize you're still in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all over me. I can't get it off. <laughs> so crazy. Um, pregnant pause is actually a really good transition to my story. <laughs> oh dear. Oh no. Um, this is, is this not... a story you had to tell Sam? Yeah. Oh God. Okay, I'm gonna strap in. This is not a compulsive liar situation it's just a it's a relationship lie story and it's it's quite simply you know i don't have a great power out for this it's just i was in a relationship many years ago uh long before sam and in fact it was before a serious relationship i had before sam and it was just a a summer thing a few months um and it was a lot of fun at first and and um this girl who i will call jay um got very attached very quickly like super clingy super quickly and she had not had a lot of serious really any serious relationships before and so she thought this was one um oh my and after a few bobby months, you dog what can you i say have more girlfriends i i got it wait <laughs> how do you have so much game <laughs> you have more oh this one girlfriend oh this other girlfriend this other oh, girl. i'm like Phyllis. damn you are how old are you even 30 years old I am 31. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be 32 in a couple of months. Uh, I have been married crazy. for happily married for several years now. Uh, over yeah, five years when this airs. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Bobby's got game. And I had uh, perfectly normal amounts of being single between a lot of these relationships. Um, okay. But this was this was college days. This was way back when. Um, okay. And uh, it was again it just dated for a few months. And uh, okay. things things went uh, a little quick on her end. Uh, I suddenly realized I was meeting her parents at one point, and oh, uh, yeah. And so after a few months, I I put the brakes on things. I was like, this is getting way out of hand. It's 
it's been fun, but we're clearly looking for different things. And uh, <laughs> Bobby is all trying to get out of it. <laughs> this relationship ended with me getting yelled at in a parking lot uh, of my apartment oh. building. Uh, oh, with many with many people seeing and hearing. So uh, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, oh, no. it was a, it was a couple of weeks later that I got a phone call, and I specifically remember exactly where I was because I was driving between Buffalo and Rochester, and had my big ass you know of the era cell phone not zach morris big this was not the 80s or 90s but you know the mid 2000s so i have my probably razor or star tech or whatever uh cool yeah exactly and she called me and let me know uh a a shifting story first the story was that she was pregnant oh oh and she was calling to let me know but then to also let me know that i didn't have any responsibility here and she was going to take care of it and she was going to raise this child and live happily ever after and i was going to have nothing you know i I didn't have to have anything to do with it and she didn't want me to feel like i had any obligation here but in a way that made it sound like i was going to have some obligation here and um, Uh and it was just this whole thing and she just talked and i just listened and she talked and talked and talked and um then uh just a the next morning, I think, was the second phone call, which was the, oh, I was pregnant, but I lost the pregnancy. Whoa. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. And so let's do a little timeline here. We weren't dating for that long. And right. uh, also, uh, despite how much game you might think I have, we didn't dive immediately into that part of the relationship and so okay. <laughs> uh, just time, time wise, I was sort of doing the math in my head and I was like, even if it was, say, the first date that ended in breakfast. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. How could she have possibly gone through all these steps so quickly? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That would be if that would be several months. Right. And it hadn't um, been quite that many months. And there was also yeah. uh, there was birth control in the mix. We were not uh, mm-hmm. that cavalier about things, uh, which she right. claimed she had mixed up or something and had, you know, she had put it on her that this had happened when it wasn't supposed to. Oh, dear. And, uh, yeah, so she ran me through an emotional roller coaster of, hey, you're going to be a father. Oh, wait, no, you're not. All in about 36 hours. What the uh, And he- much, much later, uh, we had a conversation where that was all um, chalked up to a term I don't use very often, but let's say hysteria. Oh, dear. We- so she was like, I was going crazy, so that's why I said that? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, my God. <laughs> my God. So it's not well, exactly so I... a broken engagement, but, you know, that's my um, live from a woman story, I guess. Wow. Now, I'm I'm going to go um, I'm going to go Andrew on this and say we can cut this out if you need to. But um, what how much did she know about your origin story when she pulled that? You know, that's an excellent question. Um, I'm sure that she knew the basics because I'm not that shy about it. And the basics are? The basics are that um, the timeline of my uh, uh, conception and birth into this world, uh, as my mother told me, was that she was seeing someone who, uh, it's worth noting, was separated but technically married at the time and significantly older than her he did later get a divorce um unrelated to this i think he had a lot of his own issues um 
And the way my mother tells it is that they broke up and then she realized she was pregnant and she opted to not uh, tell him or involve him in any way. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I've, I think I've said it here before. I don't have a problem saying it here again that, that I call bullshit on that story pretty quickly because Webster, New York and Rochester, New York uh, is not a particularly big place. And they had a lot of mutual friends. And I don't think, um, I, I just can't imagine that he would have gone through life without somebody saying, Hey, Candy's pregnant. Like right. it just wouldn't, have, <laughs> wouldn't have, it's not like she yeah. ran off to a farm somewhere upstate to right. give birth or disappeared for a year on a European adventure or something, you know, right. she didn't get, she did. It's not like a high school pregnancy. She didn't get shuffled off to private school for a year and then come back. And suddenly right. her parents had a new young child. It was, you know, right. A high school pregnancy from the fifties. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, back back when America yeah. was great. So, uh, right. yeah. <laughs> so basically, there's some active willing of ignorance from both my mother and my father, who I've still never interacted with, though I know who he is and have done a fair amount of stalking, as fans will know, is one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. You're um, that. Well, yeah, a, I just. It's a, I had never thought of it. It's actually a really good point that she's sort of taking a card out of my history to fuck with me yeah yeah Yeah. i think that's vile i think that's terrible yeah i i i i just um yeah i i think that's i mean it's always wrong when someone fakes a pregnancy for any purpose of any emotional manipulation even if even if it's just to like quote unquote make him feel bad for whatever you know like he dogged me so i'll show him like that's all obviously crazy but to specifically go, you know, do that to someone with your story and to say, oh, and you don't have to do anything. I'll take care of this child. I'll raise it myself. That is, that's like psyops shit, man. That is messed up. <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I will just say that uh, in the years since, and it's been many years, uh, mm-hmm. uh, we are certainly not friends. We're not even Facebook friends, but we are. Yeah. We, I, I would say we, we sort of got over that once she realized it wasn't the end of the world and realized that that's what happens at the end of your first relationship that you think matters a lot. Uh, you know, you sort of realize that you can survive and uh, yeah. we, we are friendly. I would say once every year or two, I might get a text just saying, hey, just thought of you for some reason saying hi. She's married. She has kids. She got exactly the life her mother wanted for her, which was to marry someone with a stable income and have some children. So. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she she got <laughs> okay. she found a she found a boring guy with a trade skill that'll never go out of style, and um, oh. she's also uh, very smart and employed and happy, and you know she's getting it all. She's getting she's getting the picket fence dream. So it's good because she probably wouldn't have gotten it with me. Although we did install a picket fence <laughs> last year. Yeah, I you guess did. I got tricked. <laughs> Uh, see, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, it's funny how things change. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's um, that's that's my uh, that's my liar story. I don't know if anyone's ever claimed to be engaged to me. I've never been engaged except for to Sam. So, <laughs> right. Who knows? I guess it's not too late. I mean, only in my thirties. <laughs> I'll make up a story that'll involve a time machine. <laughs> um. <laughs> To obscure our uh, 14-year age difference (laughs) and somehow make it make sense. I like it. I'll start that. If I could get anyone with an eventual blue check mark to start stories about me, that's fine. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Bobby was a dog. Looking at you. I mean, that is so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say, I, I commend her for um, coming back and saying that uh, that that wasn't cool. Um, so um, good on you, uh, Miss J, for doing that. <laughs> I can give her that. All right. All right. Uh, not our only clip in this twofer that you yes. brought us. Yes. As so, I said, it's crunchy. Yeah. <laughs> that is hella crunchy. And those are my favorite moments in TBTL where something is just mass crunchy like that. Um, and and I think it adds something when it just happened. Um, like a while ago, we had the thing where literally something had just happened right before they went on the air uh, with Jen and the um, Azteca Bluetooth a-hole. That was months ago. Months yes, ago, that Phyllis. Was, <laughs> that was mass long ago. But, um, but you know, something that had just happened over the weekend is, like, just as good. Because you know how people come back, like, they've really been kind of, like, stewing on something or, you know, something crazy or embarrassing or whatever happened. And you come in at Monday on Monday and, you know, how was your weekend? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> you got a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, you regale all your work pals with the, with the story. And um, I, like, Mondays on... The Howard, the Howard Stern Show and TBTL are great for that because often something whack or crunchy or embarrassing um, in any way has happened. And I love this. It's so funny to me. It's just so awful. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, yeah, this, I mean, first of all, I just want a bag of dicks now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor you. See, I can actually go do that. I can actually go drive right up the street and get that. I feel bad for you. Yes, you can. Oh. <laughs> uh, so um. I, the thought that I had from this is uh, you and I are both professionals who work from home a lot. Yes. And so I'm curious uh, what your business attire usually is and how that changes when you're in or out of the house. And I, it's a shame that Meredith wasn't free for this one, too, because I know she also, <laughs> since she works from home full time. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot. And we I know she and I have discussed this before, but it takes a lot to just not be in your pajamas all day. Like I, I change, I, I shower and I change in the morning. I still put on really yeah. comfortable clothes, but even when I go out, even when I go to the office, I'm almost always in like, I'm in the Andrew Walsh uniform. I'm usually in jeans and some sort of button down shirt with the sleeves rolled up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. Well, yeah. So, um, I have gotten to that phase of my career and my life where um, if I'm going to be seen at anything uh, semi, even semi work related, um, I'm in a dress. And um, there definitely were decades where I didn't wear any dresses ever. And I just never thought I would ever be doing that, especially when I was in software. Um, If I ever did dress up in software, I was in like um, slacks and a sweater. Um, It was just kind of a more... um, bro environment I guess and I just never would have worn something feminizing in that environment um but now um and I think it really is true what people say about how women dress for other women um like I'm public radio has a lot of women in it and um there I I um I serve stations that are in progressive cities and also very conservative rural areas. And you'll just get more, like you'll get and you'll show more respect 
by dressing with what they think is appropriate office wear. And so I usually wear some kind of hip dress, usually from Bowdoin, and um, and a pair of dance goes. So I still look like an urban nerd, <laughs> but I'm in a dress. And um, just also as my... Uh, as my physicality has become more matronly over time, I'll just say, um, it's, um, it's, it's helpful that, you know, a dress is always going to work. So, so yeah, I wear a dress when I'm out and about, um, for work stuff, but yeah, when I'm in my house, I'm in a house coat, I'm in a house dress. (laughs) Um, if it's cold, maybe I'm in a t-shirt and yoga pants with like a, a, a sweatshirt on and if I'm sneaking into a radio station at night to to turn in my expense reports I'm probably in that version of the outfit um, but uh, even like when I was in public radio as a reporter for almost a decade um, I was in jeans and a t-shirt almost every day and um, and it really was like getting promoted up into management that made me change um, because I was realizing that hmm, I'm having to sit in more meetings with more high profile people. Um, I could be introduced to a donor at the drop of a hat. Um, you know, like th- all those kinds of things could be happening. So it's just better if I show up every day in a dress. But um, yeah, when I was a reporter or when I was a weekend host and I was just behind the mic and, you know, especially like no, you know, social media wasn't really popping. Like I could just wear whatever. And also when I was a reporter, a, a lot of the time I was reporting on poor people and I felt way more comfortable dressing like how I typically dressed and how I grew up, which was jeans and a t-shirt. Um, I felt much more comfortable and would be much more likely to be dressed like the people I was covering if I was just wearing jeans and a t-shirt. If I came in in like a dress and fancy shoes and whatever, I would be looking more like the social workers who visit their house or the principal of their school or like some fancy type TV reporter that they might might see on TV. And that wasn't the vibe I wanted. I felt like that was whack. And um, it set a tone that I didn't want to set. And so I just never did that. It's actually Um, an excellent point that hadn't hadn't even crossed my mind on the field reporter part. But yeah, I mean, when when you're covering people, I mean, it's sort of like my first thought when you said that was the TV reporters who are like the I team investigates or whatever. And they're out in their red blazers yeah. or whatever like that. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, there's this awkward look um, of, of, of a, it's mostly politicians, but when you see a politician go to like a charity fundraiser or something and they, yeah. they put the 5k walkathon t-shirt on over their long sleeve shirt and tie. Yes. Yeah, so Nothing bad. makes me laugh more in those scenarios and yeah. seeing what that happens. Like when you're such a poser that you just showed up in your suit <laughs> and then was like, yeah, for the photo op, I'm going to put this T-shirt on and hold this shovel or whatever. Yeah, that is whack. Yeah. That is that is so embarrassing. I cannot deal with that. Yeah, no. And I just I never wanted to be. Like, you know, if I if I was going to, um, you know, like a rural area or, um, you know, just any kind of air surface area that wasn't paved, like I didn't want to be held back by 
my shoes. Like that's ridiculous. And so I just, I felt much more capable and like I would get much more respect if I were inadvertently dressed down as a reporter than being too dressed up. And so that did lead to things where like I'm covering a city council meeting in bright red jeans and a blue Adidas t-shirt and someone asks if I'm doing this for school like that happened (laughs) but you know I didn't care it didn't bother me as much um because I knew I could still get the story that way um and I wouldn't you know I would be far from intimidating anyone if anything I would be maybe inadvertently making them think that I was a dummy but you know that's kind of the Columbo thing right (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just just one more thing. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, yeah, he looks assed out and he's all <laughs> rumpled and whatever, but he's getting the info, right? <laughs> I like so. that you found the visual version of, I'm with the news, dude. Yeah, I really did. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't do it on purpose, but it just kind of happened. And it's funny, there's an, there's an interesting TV reporter from... Um, the Twin Cities, um, Minneapolis, who, um, like, she she made big waves last year or this year um, by being a TV reporter who doesn't, quote-unquote, look like a TV reporter. Um, she wears jeans and, and, like, a little kind of hipster blazer, like, and, you know, kind of skinny jeans, like, you know, current cool-looking jeans or whatever, and sneakers, and she has big glasses And, um, I mean, I think that's great. Like that, like kind of, that was me without kind of without the skinny jeans, but you know, that was, that was me and also without the blazer. And, um, and, uh, I, I just felt like it worked and, um, people found me approachable and, um, maybe some people mistook me for some kind of scrub, uh, but they learned, (laughs) (laughs) They figured it out. <laughs> but yeah, now that my entire role has changed, I, I show up in dresses. That's what I do. Well, But if you look real close, they're secretly made out of t-shirt material. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's my way of still wearing a t-shirt. Being mistaken for a scrub is, is something that happens to me all the time, actually, because... <laughs> really? So I I work in this world where... It's really two completely different universes. On one hand, I work with musicians and composers who are savants and sometimes shut-ins. And so they just wear whatever the hell mm. they want. And the composer yeah. spectrum is really broad. There are the people who are super fashionable and on point and make us make, you know, they, they show up and they're very trendy and hippie or hipster mm. rather. And then mm-hmm. there are the ones who couldn't care about anything except their art. And so they're just in the same jeans and scrubby t-shirt that they've been wearing for 10 years and sneakers. And they show up to premieres like this and go up on stage and introduce their work and just, they couldn't care less about what they look like. And that's fine. Uh, Musicians, similarly in rehearsal, they just show up in whatever's comfortable, which is good and fine. And so I'm used to, you know, being in the office and not interacting with people and being in rehearsals with musicians who don't care. Um, But Sometimes, similarly, I might have to run out and see a donor or a board member or whatever. And so I keep a suit in my office. I keep a sport coat. I keep ties. I keep an extra shirt. I keep extra undershirts. 
Um, mm. if, if I'm wearing sneakers, there's almost always at least one pair of nice shoes in my car. And I try mm-hmm. to keep them all interchangeable enough so that any combination of them won't look too weird together. Like, uh, you know, classic guy move. If you're wearing a black belt, have black shoes, brown belt, brown shoes. So I'm yeah, always right. going to have a matching belt and shoes handy. Uh, yeah. And if I have to, I mean, I might not be perfectly polished cufflinks, nice suit, perfect hair, but I can at least throw on a sport coat and look like, you know, oh, I was just rolling up my sleeves, but I threw this on to see you. Like, I'll even joke about it with people, but like, <laughs> I got to be able to look the part on a moment's notice and pull a costume change. So uh, yeah. I usually do that. But the the times that's come to bite me in the ass, uh, at least at least comically, are the fact that I always wait until the very last minute. So especially because I, I work – I'm the only guy doing the admin work for my company. So I'll go mm-hmm. from lugging stuff around and setting stuff up to having to do box office ticketing or talk to donors. And so I don't yeah. want to be doing all the labor while I'm dressed nice. And so I'm the no. guy rushing 10 minutes before the doors are opening to go throw a suit on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And when I first started years ago, we were doing this fancy house party. It was going to be an afternoon of chamber music with wine and hors d'oeuvres and whatever. And at this beautiful house out in the rich Tony suburbs of Boston. And we were mm. being hosted by um, a well-known longtime arts and entertainment critic. Uh, and she's very fashionable. Uh, and and known for that, and her house is gorgeous. Her husband is an architect, and they designed their house to have basically a recital hall in the living room. And mm. and he is an architect who couldn't care less, so he's walking around in jeans and a t-shirt two hours before the event. She's upstairs getting primped. I show up, and I'm in jeans and a t-shirt, and I'm carrying all this stuff in and whatever, and then uh, I say, oh, uh, you know, where can I put this and that? Let's get ready. This is going to be a great night. And this guy just looks at me and he's confused why I'm talking about the event. Oh, and it's because he thought I was the help. He thought I was just yeah. a, a hired delivery guy. Right. And here I am talking about how great this event's going to be and everything. And he just thinks I'm this. He's weirdly... like, you think you're Stan? Yeah. It was seriously like this upstairs downstairs moment. He's like, who are you? You're you, you're leaving, right? And then he just gave me this weird look. And then 20 minutes later, I popped uh, out in a suit. And he was just like, oh. Oh, phew. I should have been nicer to you. That's so great. Oh, God. We had a good laugh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But it was very awkward for a minute there. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but I do this all the time. I mean, I keep sneakers in the back of my car, and anytime we're done with something, I'll be back into my sneakers by the time I'm done. And so people will catch yeah. me in the parking lot, and I'm, like, half changing out of my <laughs> suit coat and fancy shoes. Yeah. I'm going to drive all the way home wearing that crap. Yeah. Who needs that? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that, that's rough goings, man. I can't um, – I yeah, I just – I fortunately see you you're in a more like kind of formal um you know kind of sector and also a very formal town i can still kind of get away with this in between thing where i can wear dance goes instead of heels or (laughs) you know i can wear a dress that's made out of t-shirt stuff like (laughs) you know i can still kind of hover in that area i don't have to wear like um you know like i don't have to wear a suit thank god (laughs) 
<laughs> that would be bad. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I came out to Seattle for a chamber music concert. We had co-commissioned a piece with the Seattle uh, Chamber Music Society festival oh. or something. And so I came out yeah. for the premiere. This was two two summers ago, and it was the summer that I came out to Seattle several times in the course of a couple of months. And this was one of the trips yeah. I had justified as a work trip. Um, mm-hmm. And I was asking people, I was asking you guys, like, uh, what's the summer attire for for a chamber concert in Seattle in the summer? And everyone just sort of looked at me with a blank stare and, huh? and had no idea <laughs> because it's Seattle. So just show up yeah. and jeans and a flannel shirt right that's the look guys yeah, <laughs> yeah. still the 90s i guess um i think i ended up wearing khakis and a sport coat or something or gray yeah. chinos and a sport coat and and i was still overdressed compared to yep <laughs> most of the rich seattle people who were there that's right they keep a real low profile here man i definitely have friends who moved here from out of town who are uh mass bummed that people wear like uh crocs and flip-flops to the opera (laughs) i'm like that's you moved to seattle man that's the deal (laughs) well when you're rich enough you can do that anywhere but when you're the guy asking for money you really have to think about it yeah you really do (laughs) it reminds me of when luke went to washington to cover for the dc reporter for npr and had to go what to men's warehouse or something and just buy five suits Yep, that's right. I'm sure he did because at the Capitol you have to be wearing you have to be wearing all that stuff. Um and even I when I wasn't covering the Capitol or the White House or anything, but when I was at NPR for 2 months as a reporter, I just knew like DC is a more formal town. The the day I got there, I went to Ann Taylor Loft. Like I had to because I just didn't I didn't have the time before going on the trip to go and do that shopping and mm-hmm. I was just like I know that they'll have the stuff there that you know that's appropriate there so let me just hit a store there and do what i can um but uh i i told that story on tbtl actually that when i unfortunately i had to do it after i met um the the person who brought me in for this fellowship and just the second she saw me she was disappointed (laughs) I I didn't have my Ann Taylor loft outfits yet. (laughs) And um, she was clearly expecting something about me to be different. So it just, it was weird, (laughs) but it's a formal town. Well, it's, um, you know, I'm kind of like Luke in the way where he finds something he likes and he just buys six pairs of it. I do the same thing with my IZOD flannel pattern print shirts. I just, I found the size yeah. and style that fits and I just buy one of every design they offer. And that's what I wear for two years. And then that's the, smart. Bu- the buttons start to fall off and the washing machine puts holes in them because I wear them, you know, twice a week, probably cycling through. I finally yeah. find a new <laughs> yeah. one and replace it. And yeah, yep. the problem is doing that with suits. It gets ex- Even the cheap suits, it gets expensive to get that many of them in the rotation. Yeah, that was another thing that, you know, when I was a reporter, too, I mean, reporters are just not paid as much as editors, especially in public radio. And I was like, well, I'll be damned if I'm going to be spending money on clothes. Get out of here. So, you know, I had I had jeans that worked and then I had free T-shirts from the pledge drives. And that's what I wore. They actually made a meme of me um, for KUOW once where. I um they took a picture of me five days in a row wearing five different KUOW t shirts. <laughs> Do you have and that? They... Do you have that somewhere? Uh yeah, I can find it, oh, yeah. I think it should be the show picture. 
Okay. I'll I'll dig it out. Yeah. You'll see. It's that would just, be great. it's it's goofy, but it's accurate, you know. They were like, Hey, can we take a picture of you every day this week? I was like, Okay. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I'll I'll bust that out. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Uh and with that, um the only other note I wanted to mention is, you know, these guys are in the studio. Just as a reminder on how little respect TBTL yeah. had in 2009, somebody barges into the studio. Yeah. And Jen's like, hey, we're on the air. And I, I it's yeah. awful, but I'm pretty sure you hear that person say, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then she says, we're on the air right now. Or one of them says, we're on the air right now. Yeah. And then he goes, oh, sorry. And then he walks out. That, that first line's muffled. It sounds like, oh, shit. It's someone who says, oh, shit, a lot. It sounds like, oh, shit to me. Yeah. <laughs> That was great. I loved that so much. <laughs> I've never had to do that, thank God. And I've never uh, caused someone else to do that. But um, that was hilarious. Yeah. I worked at a radio station for six months, and, and I wasn't even involved in the radio production side of things. I was way over at the education department. But rule number one, when you take the building tour, when you're walking around a studio building, is if the on-air sign is on and there are people in there, you don't walk in. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a live broadcast <laughs> facility. So Don't barge in. Check with the engineer. Yeah. It's not rocket science. <laughs> and I can't remember if that was the one where one of the custodians was who walked in or if it was someone who, you know, really was in the on-air side and should have known better. Well, whoever it was, I mean, nobody cared. I mean, that's... <laughs> no, they didn't. Like, oh, my bad. Yeah. Sorry, what's up? <laughs> Oh, my literally my first night at KUOW, I job shadowed someone on election night and um I was um I was I was sitting there um next to the reporter who was covering something and she had her headphones on and and um the it was back then it was one of the rare nights in the entire year that people would be there at night in the radio station and um the the one person who was there every night was the janitor and um he was going around emptying all the trash and he was like um oh election night yep i can't vote made a few mistakes <laughs> and i was like wait what that guy's got a story that guy should be on the air right now <laughs> like that guy's trying to tell us something. <laughs> had no idea that Mike Frizzell was a KUOW. <laughs> right, exactly. Janitor. I was like, oh my God. I talked for years about wanting to put him on the air. And it, <laughs> it, it never happened before he moved on to another custodial job at another building. But I was like, whoa, that guy's got something to say. He's also a genius mathematician. You never knew. <laughs> How you like them apples? <laughs> All right. All right, people. You know where to find our merch. Get your RAR shirts and all your other great LRB branded stuff at com. On Amazon, buy things so that we get pennies from your purchases. com slash Amazon. Remember to keep archiving for us. It makes shows like this and so many more possible. I mean, Phyllis is a savant. She knows exactly what she wants when she goes through the archives. But the rest of us need a little help. And you really help produce this show by archiving it. It means the world to us. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. Find us at LittleRedBandWagon.com, on Facebook at LittleRedBandWagon, on Twitter at LRB Podcast. The email is LittleRedBandWagon at gmail.com. 
Leave us a voicemail at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. And with that, I'll get us out of here. Until next time, this is The Next Party. We love you, Jen, and Luke and Sean. We love all you guys. And Andrew. Andrew.